Welcome. We are glad that you are here today. It is good to share this time together, and uh, we welcome everyone uh, to Community Baptist Church as we worship God on this first Sunday of the new year. Um, we welcome our guests especially. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here today and, and hope God will bless you in a very special way this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Uh, take it and put your name and address, phone number on there, whatever information you feel comfortable and check the appropriate box and uh, pass it down the row. And uh, if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, it comes out each Thursday, uh, please put your email address on there and, and uh, we'll get you on that list. It's a good way to keep up with the activities and opportunities at Community Baptist Church. We have a few things coming up here. First of all, let me remind everyone, I hope you got a uh, nominating team uh, survey uh, when you came in. If you have not filled that out yet, please do so. Uh, uh, the nominating team is working to fill positions, and so uh, if you have not filled one out, please do so as soon as possible and get that in. We would certainly appreciate that. It would help our work significantly. Also, let me thank uh, the team yesterday who uh, served lunch at the Salvation Army. I think we had a small crowd at the Salvation Army yesterday. They only served 58 people, and, and that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, but we're grateful for uh, for the team that uh, are faithful to be there and to serve uh, when we are called on to serve. Uh, also, I want to let you know that we will be having a call to business meeting on Wednesday. We'll be discussing the church budget. The finance team has um, has met and looked over the budget, and we'll be discussing that on Wednesday evening. And also next Sunday will be um, our Sunday for our Fellowship Cafe, and uh, so we'll look forward to that. It's good to be here and share this time with each of, each of you, and so let me invite you now to stand, and, and uh, let's give each other uh, New Year's greetings as we share this time together.
our hymns were given to us as a way of teaching us. And so this morning especially, we're going to use our hymns to teach us a little bit more about the birth of Christ. If you'll stand together, let us sing, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. Father, together we start this new year full of unwritten stories and new opportunities. And together we pray that we can embrace all that the next 12 months have to offer us. We ask that you continue to be with us and that your presence may be felt in all things. We ask that you extend to each of us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to eat, to to meet each new day and each new challenge head on and full of eagerness. Give us the courage to accept the clean slate that you offer and let this year be filled with your goodness. Let us look beyond the mundane or the struggles of our lives and let us see the blessings that wait for us. And we pray that you would bless us with the warmth of strong relationships and 
the strength to help those in need of our help. Bless us with the courage and the humility to to receive help, to accept it ourselves when we need it. And as we consider those around us who, who begin this year fighting sickness and disease and grief and, and other struggles in their lives, we pray that you would help us to meet them with hearts full of compassion. Let us find a way to reach out to them so that, it, that in each of us they may find a strength that eases their pain and reminds them that there are people who care and will fight right alongside them. Let all things be new this year, O God. Remind us that you are a God of fresh starts. Let us become new creatures again, beginning today, right now. Let the ministry of all of your children and of your church be not confined within these walls or the small circles of our lives, but rather be directed throughout our community and throughout our entire world. And remind us, God, it only takes one person. One person willing to step out or speak up or take a risk. Remind us it only takes one person to change the world. And so help us. Help us to be the people who will do just that. Help us to be the people who are willing to let our light shine no matter what the cost. And together we celebrate you in praise and in prayer. And we do so as one voice, one people, and one church. Amen.
guys hear me out there? This microphone's very hard to work. <laughs> morning. Today I'm going to talk to you about fear. That's what Dr. Hobbs' uh, sermon is about. And I told him this was a really good week to talk about fear because I'm going to tell you what I'm the most afraid of in the whole world. What do you guys think I'm afraid of? Cornfield. 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 No, no, not cornfield. I am a little afraid of them. I'm not really afraid of snakes. Chicken. I, chicken. I am deathly afraid of mice. I don't like them. They scare me. I like Mickey Mouse, but that's about it. So I'm going to tell you a story about fear and how I kind of squashed that fear. So where I work, we just moved into a new building. And there weren't people there for a while. So guess what? The mice, they like to live there because nobody bothered them. So we moved in, and we called this man named Kyle. Kyle's a miracle worker because he gets rid of all the mice for me. So Kyle came in, and I thought he got rid of all the mice. So on Tuesday, I was making some coffee in our little kitchen at my work, and I saw something go like this. And so I thought, maybe it was just my imagination. Do you guys think it was my imagination? I wish it was. So then I look over, and there's a mouse, and he's this big. He was probably only this big, but in my mind, he was like, he was pretty big. And he was, he was running. And so guess what I did? Do you guys think I was really brave? No. I screamed really, really loud. And I ran to the bathroom that's beside our kitchen, and I closed myself in the, in the bathroom. And then we have this thing that we have like a, um, like a box that's in there that we keep some stuff in. So I got on top of the box because I, then I was afraid that the mouse was going to come in the bathroom with me. And there was nowhere to go in the bathroom. So then I was really afraid. So I'm in the bathroom going, and I was trying to be brave, but I just, I just couldn't do it with the mouse because I'm just too scared of them. And so guess what I did? I yelled for my friend Michelle. I said, Michelle, you have to come get me out of the bathroom. You have to come help me. And so Michelle came in there, and she was laughing because she thinks that it's funny. And so I had Michelle watch for the mouse for me while I ran to to the other side of our office. But guess what? Michelle's a really good friend, and Michelle grabbed our other friend, Tammy, and they tried to chase the mouse for me. And they said he was hiding They found him behind the sugar. He was going behind our sugar canister. And they didn't catch him, but we know where he's living. So I called my other friend, Mr. Kyle, and Mr. Kyle came back. And so Mr. Kyle put some stuff out to catch him. But my friends helping me with the mouse is kind of like how the church helps you. You know, whenever you're afraid or you're frustrated, which I was both when I was in that bathroom, because I couldn't leave the bathroom without running into the mouse again, and I was really, really scared of that mouse. And so what I did is I screamed out, my friends helped me. But the church will do that for you too. If you're you know, frustrated or you're afraid of something, you can always come talk to Dr. Hobbs. You can talk to, you know, to me, to Miss Rachel. You can talk to anybody in the church and tell them what you're afraid of or something that's frustrating you, and then they can always help you. 
So I'm going to try to be a little braver with the mice, but at least I have a couple friends that will help me, right? So if you guys would bow your heads with me. Dear God, help us to remember not to be paralyzed by fear or frustration and to reach out to others because the body of Christ is here to help us. Amen. about the three wise men who really weren't at the manger until about a year and a half or two years later, but still came to worship and give offerings to Christ. We three
Pray with me, please. Our Father, we're grateful for this uh, beautiful day. We're thankful for all of the years of our lives, especially the new one, 2017. We're grateful to be able to be here. We're thankful for all the blessings that we have received. Uh, last year, we know there was sorrow, there was hurt, but there was also blessings and joy. We anticipate the same for 2017. Give us a fresh look for our church life and give us a fresh attitude as Christians as we uh, partake of the new year. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.
The scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He would be called a Nazarene.
Wow, thank you, Felicia. What a beautiful song. And, and I hope uh, and pray, that's our prayer for each of us uh, this new year, that it is well with your soul. It is said that in Rome, Italy, on New Year's Eve, there's a tradition of literally throwing things out of the window to start New Year's free from the past. So I guess the moral of that is that if you're fortunate enough to be in Rome, Italy on some New Year's Eve, you best keep your eyes looking up because somebody might be throwing some furniture out of the window. There's a pastor named uh, Patricia Ferris who tells about being in Mexico one year on New Year's Eve, and they found themselves in the middle of of something that they didn't understand at the time, but they discovered later that it was similar to the tradition in Rome. It was late in the evening, it was not yet midnight, and, but the central square of the town that they were in was full of people and lights and music and firecrackers and kids and old people and families, and stands were set up where people were selling uh, food and souvenirs. And in addition to the food and souvenirs that they were selling, they were also selling an array of very cheap pottery, mostly simple clay plates. But what was interesting was that people were buying these plates and then throwing them as hard as they could against the wall of the great cathedral in the town square, smashing them to smithereens. It was loud and raucous and exciting, according to Reverend Ferris. And and it was only later that she learned that this tradition grew out of a deep human need to throw out the old and to start the new year free from old resentments and old fears and old prejudices and sins. Throw them out, says Patricia. Let them smash against the strong fortress of faith and be done with it. God is ready to offer healing and new life. Welcome to worship on this first Sunday of the new year. There may be someone here today who has come to receive healing and new life. And I think that old adage is very fitting on the first day of the new year. And that is that today is the first day of the rest of your life. You've heard that said before, I'm sure. It's a positive expression about life. And I want to to reinforce that expression this morning. Because today really can be the first day of your new life. Velma Sewell's Daniels, in her book titled Celebrate Joy, tells about interviewing a man who had made a trip up to Alaska to visit some people who lived uh, above the Arctic Circle. And the man said, never ask an Eskimo how old he is. If you do, the Eskimo will always say, I don't know and I don't care. And the man added, he doesn't. He said that an Eskimo told him that one time, but he pressed the Eskimo a little further, and he asked the man a second time, the Eskimo a second time, how old he was, and the Eskimo said, almost, that's all. And so he asked, almost what? And the Eskimo said, almost one day. Well, the man had no clue as to what this Eskimo meant by that until he talked to another man who had lived above the Arctic Circle for over 20 years, and he'd written a book about the Eskimos and their traditions and their their beliefs. 
And he said that the Eskimos believe that when you go to sleep at night, you actually die. And that they are literally dead to the world. And then when they wake up the next morning, they've been resurrected and they're living a whole new life. And that means that no Eskimo is more than one day old. And that's what that Eskimo meant when he said that he was almost a day old. Well, life above the Arctic Circle is harsh and and cruel, and, and merely surviving above the Arctic Circle can become a major accomplishment. But you've never seen an Eskimo, he says, who seemed worried or anxious. They have truly learned how to face life one day at a time. So let me ask you this morning. Have you learned how to put your worries and your anxieties aside and live life really and truly one day at a time? It gives new meaning to that admonition that today is the first day of the rest of your life, doesn't it? And I only wish that it could be that easy. I know that this may sound like platitudes, and and, and because I know it's not easy to do this. But let me tell you that our scripture lesson for today deals with, with some people who also lived in a very harsh and cruel world. It's the last part of the Christmas story. This takes place after the shepherds and the wise men have gone and And the angel appears to Joseph in a dream and said to him, Herod will be looking for the child in order to kill him. So get up and take the child to escape and escape to Egypt and stay there until I tell you to leave. This is a scene of darkness and dread. This humble couple, fearing for their lives and for the life of their child, gathers the few belongings that they had, gathered their newborn baby, and in the darkness of the night, they silently make their way towards Egypt. You know, life is sometimes like that. Even in the most beautiful story in all of literature, the the story of of God's Son being delivered to, to humankind in the manger of Bethlehem, even in that story there is that specter of fear and death. And this is an acknowledgment on this first Sunday of the new year that there is a lot in life to dread. The Bible does not gloss over the very real problems of living in this imperfect world. From the very first family in the Bible, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, with its, its envy and its strife and its violence, through the, the daily battles of God's own people, the people of Israel, with, with their neighbors, their neighboring tribes, and with famine and feasts and slavery and wandering through the wilderness, through their tears and tribulations, we see in the troubles that they face that life is not easy. So you see, the Bible does not portray life as some kind of a Pollyanna existence. It's not a Pollyanna view of life. No. According to the Bible, life is hard. Life is demanding. And sometimes life can be downright cruel. 
So you see, there is much in life to dread. And so Joseph and Mary and their newborn son have to run for their lives to Egypt. It's a very human drama. It has been repeated all throughout the ages. It happened early on with the people of Israel when they fled for their lives as refugees from the oppression of slavery in Egypt. And even today around the world and within our own borders, families are packing up their belongings and setting off in the hopes of finding jobs, in the hopes of finding food, in the hopes of finding freedom. And I hope that the parallel is not lost on you, that Jesus' family became Middle Eastern refugees in just the same way as so many who are fleeing from the violence and the deprivation in Syria today. People are fleeing for their lives. And they are carrying their children in search of a safe place to live. Others in Central America and in Africa and other places around the world, they're having to leave their family and their friends. And with a sense of dread and uncertainty, they move to new and strange places in search of better, more secure lives. And in the same way, Mary and Joseph and Jesus left the place where they were staying because it was too dangerous for them, and they fled to Egypt. But the story does not end there. For you see, even when Herod died and they felt free to return to Israel, they dared not go back to their their former home in Judea. Herod's son, Archelaus, succeeded him as as the king of that region. And and there was still a lot to be afraid of. And so they settled down in Galilee in a little town called Nazareth. So you see, the testimony of the Bible is very realistic. And that there is much in life to be afraid of. But the problem begins when we allow our fears to overwhelm us. You know, fear can really mess with our minds, can't it? Fear can mess with our minds. There's an ancient legend that says that the specter of death was walking towards a certain city when a man stopped the specter and asked what it was going to do in that city, and, the, and death replied, I'm going to kill 10,000 people. Well, the man responded with horror, but death insisted, that's the way it is, and that's what I will do. Well, The day passed, and the man again met death on his journey back. And so the man said, you told me you were going to kill 10,000 people, but I heard that 70,000 people were killed. And death shrugged its shoulders and said, I did kill only 10,000 people. The others were killed by fear. My friends, the most basic of all human emotions is fear. And fear in proper doses, can be healthy. It can be a healthy thing. Fear is our body's way of telling us that something's not right. However, there are so many people who are almost totally dominated by their fears. And that's not healthy. That's not healthy. It may be fear of failure or fear of ridicule. It may be fear of of places or, or fear of people. 
There are as many fears as there are demands upon the human creature. Anything that we are asked to do or to be can create fear in our lives. And, of course, everyone's afraid of something. Brittany's afraid of mice, you know. Actor Spencer Tracy, Judy Garland, Jennifer Aniston, Whoopi Goldberg, they're all afraid of, of flying. Pop star Britney Spears is said to panic whenever she encounters a large lizard. Madonna is terrified of thunder. Scarlett Johansson is terrified of birds. I hope she never sees uh, Alfred Hitchcock's movie of that name. She'll never be the same again. We're told that the French uh, philosopher Albert Camus was phobic about driving a car, and ironically, he died in a car accident driven by one of his friends. Sigmund Freud was afraid of traveling anywhere outside of Vienna. I wonder what kind of repressed desire that, ex that uh, explains. And, and here's an, an intriguing story about the late J. Edgar Hoover, former director of the FBI. Now, the story may be apocryphal. I'm not sure if it's true or not. But one source says that while Hoover was on a trip to California while, um, while making a left turn, his, his limousine was, was struck from behind by another car, and Hoover, who was sitting directly behind the driver, was badly shaken up by the accident. And so from that time on, Hoover refused to sit behind the driver. He called it the death seat. But even more amazing than that, from that time on, it is said that Hoover would not allow his driver to make any left turns. His aides and drivers had to go through all kinds of maneuvers to get the FBI director from one place to another because he couldn't make any left turns. Now think about that. The director of one of the, America's most important law enforcement agencies was reduced to a bundle of nerves by the thought of making a left turn. Well, here's the thing. We all have the capacity to make our lives miserable if we give in to our fears. But listen to this. There's an antidote to fear. And you can find it in the Scriptures. It is an antidote that allowed the heroes of the Bible to dissolve their fears and to, to fight great battles. And this antidote is more than just being courageous. Courage can be a good thing. Courage can be an admirable, admirable quality. It allows us to face our fears for a while and, and still do battle. But courage, even courage, is somewhat limited. Because, you see, courage can sometimes be turned into discouragement. Think about it. Courage and discourage. For courage to be lasting and effective, it has to be able to see some hope. But if the hope is not there, then it can very quickly be transformed into discouragement. So you see, the opposite of fear is not courage. It's faith. For you see, faith tells us that even though the odds may be stacked against us, and even though things may be hard for us to, to see the hope, we're not alone. 
that's what faith says to us. And that's the biblical answer to fear. We may see no hope at all in whatever situation we're facing, but we know the one who is the source of our hope. That's what faith is. Not in ourselves, but in God. And that's the kind of faith that always defeats fear. It's interesting. Joseph and Mary, as they fled to Egypt, they could not have known that what they were doing was fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy that said, I called my son out of Egypt. And as they headed from Egypt to Nazareth, separating themselves from their families and their friends in Judea, they probably were not aware that according to the prophecy of the Bible, which had been written centuries before, that the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. And even as the drama of that first Christmas unfolded with them making their way to Bethlehem because Caesar had determined that all the world should be taxed, they could not know that according to the prophecy of the Old Testament, their son must be born in Bethlehem. And so think of it. Think about how God was using all of these circumstances to fulfill God's plans. Do you see the majesty and the glory of it all? Even in the darkest times, God was there. Just like God is with us in our difficult days. You see, life was hard for Mary and Joseph. But they were not alone. God was with them. And that is the meaning of faith. It doesn't mean that life will be made easy for us. You all know life can be hard. But it does mean that God will be with us. So why are you afraid? Why are you discouraged? God is at work. And because of God, all things are working together for the good of those who love God. So why not turn your fears and your frustrations over to God this morning? As Patricia Ferris says, throw them out. Smash them against the strong fortress of faith and be done with them. God is ready to offer healing and new life. That same loving Father who guided Mary and Joseph towards Bethlehem and then towards Egypt and then finally towards Nazareth, that same God watches over our lives as well. And that God can free you from your fears if you will trust Him. For the Eskimo, each new day is a new life. Christ can give you new life today as well. And today can be the first day of the rest of your life. If you want it, it's there for the taking. Just put your trust in God because faith is the antidote for fear. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Just As I Am. And that's what, that's how God wants us to come. That's what God expects from us, that we come to God just as we are.
with our fears, with our struggles, with our troubles, with everything that drags us down. That's what makes us human. We're not expected to be like God to come to God. We are expected to come come to God just as we are. So we invite you to do that today. I'm going to open it up and ask if you want to come and to, to make a commitment to Christ to do that today. If you want to come and unite with our church, we invite you to come. It would be a great way to start a new year. We invite you to do that as we sing together 307, just as I am. seated for just a moment. Um, I'd like to present to you a a, a couple of people who have come to unite with our church and have come professing their faith in Christ and come requesting baptism. And what a wonderful thing this is. I spoke with with Lily and Kirk, and yes, they're both coming. Uh, They both want to join our church and be baptized and, and to profess their faith in Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful for that, and we, we, uh, uh, we are filled with joy because of the decision that both of you have made. And it's New Year. It's a time for new beginnings. It's a time to start all over again, and that's exactly what we talked about when we, we talked yesterday. And, and, uh, and they want to start all over again and make a new start. And they, they understand what's going on with, with their relationship with Christ, and they have made that commitment to start again. And so I hope that you will join me by welcoming Kirk 
and Lily Knight, uh, to the family of God and to the family of Community Baptist Church by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 We are so joyful and, and happy that you are doing this, that you're making this decision. It is an important decision. And I will tell you, and people here can probably tell it just as much, just as well as I can, because every time a member joins our church, I tell it to them. Every person who is a member of our church is a minister of God. Every single one of us. You are a minister of God. You are a minister of God. And so we look forward to the ministry that we have to you in the days ahead, and we also look forward to the ministry that each of you have for us as well and for the world because we're all called to be God's ministers. I know you'll want to come and speak with, with Kurt and Lily, and I'll ask you all to come with me over here and stand at the door, and people will shake your hands and hug your neck and all sorts of things. So, will that be okay? Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Let us stand for our benediction. Lord, at the beginning of this new year, we offer you our lives. So come and take our voice that the words we speak may may be filled with encouragement and goodness. Come and take our hands that the work that we do may be generous and giving. Come and take our feet that the journeys we walk may be led by your Spirit. And come, O Lord, and take our lives For we love your goodness and your kindness and your leading. We give ourselves to you. Amen.